world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt them. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. Uh, back back when I used to work in an office with like actual people, uh, in actual physical proximity, um, as opposed we to now were looking a robot up, job. Yeah, we were we were looking <laughs> we were looking at uh at names at like Chris nicknames or something because there were so many Chris's at our office, and we found like a list of like quote unquote acceptable names for Chris's. What? Yeah, like nicknames. That's a thing somebody made. Yeah. Uh, something along those lines. But point is, one of the nicknames in that was the Chris Who Screams. <laughs> well, there's a story there. I, I, we don't know. That was just in the list. <laughs> so that became my friend's nickname for like a good three months. He was just the Chris Who Screams. Isn't what? a nickname supposed to like, like save time? <laughs> no, it's, they're supposed to help you identify a person. I, I go, you know, I, I just try to keep them straight by, there's my brother-in-law, Chris, and then it's Pratt, Evans, uh, Pine, and Rock, and that's, you know, Hemsworth, and then, then that's it. I just go, you know, uh, the same thing, it's like there's Chris Pratt, there's Chris Evans, there's uh, my wife's boyfriend, Chris Hemsworth. Sure. <laughs> As opposed which... to my boyfriend, Idris Elba. Oh, I was going to ask which Chris also was sure. but I guess that's, that's a good choice. <laughs> He is Black Superman, as he declared himself in Hobbs and Shaw, a Fast and Furious spinoff. <laughs> I haven't seen that, and the longer that we cut, like, since I saw the trailer, and I was like, hey, maybe, the happier I am that I've just stayed away I, and avoided, like, I you know. I unabashedly love those films. I've only seen Fast and Furious 7? You have to watch 8. You have to watch the one where, where they're driving a tank through the Arctic, through the Russian Arctic, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson hangs out of the door of the tank and grabs a, a missile that is sliding alongside him in the ice and throws it at a submarine and then blows it up. But I saw that was in the trailers. I saw that part. Yeah, but you don't have the context, Stephen. <laughs> context. Speaking of context, let's talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy, where they came from and where they are now. <laughs> where did they come from? Where did they go? Guardian of the Galaxy, Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> I was trying so hard to think of a Guardians member whose name rhymed with Cotton Eye Joe. And I was like, like five more minutes, and there's got to be someone who's been in the rotating lineup that would work. Somewhere, I'm sure, but but not, not in the lineup today, I don't think. Uh, this is the Superhuman Registration Podcast, uh, and, you know, we're, we're the same guys who are always here. There's Steven, John, and Babyface. How you doing? Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. You know, I haven't shaved in a couple of days. This is rare for me to have any visible facial hair more than you, Aldo. <laughs> Cause it takes it takes quite a while for anything to show up. Cause I, you know, I'm a redhead, and so it's oh, not yeah. really that visible. Yeah, you got like that invisible facial hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My facial hair was the only thing defining a chin on me for a while, um, <laughs> and now I don't. 
Now the, now the only thing that defines the chin is the presence of a second one. He could just use a Sharpie in the meantime. <laughs> as long as you're not like... Like, George Lucas, let's acknowledge he's done much more good than, than annoying. But that beard, like, grow it all the way down to your collar, man. It's like, it, he stops it before any further chin starts. And it's very off-putting, the, the like differentiation between like beard and like i don't even know what to call it what do, what do turkeys have i don't know what i don't know what waddles giblets no waddles is the pig on gravity drumsticks <laughs> wishbones yep yep inflated sails during thanksgiving time the beard stops at the wishbone um, breasts <laughs> gosh wanks i mean they do though Right, so we're going to talk about Guardians? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, why don't I go ahead and get us started with, with uh, Guardians Classic, I guess we'll call it. Except it's not. So, publication history of the Guardians of the Galaxy like goes way back to like the 70s, maybe even the 60s. The uh, franchise got its start in one of the Marvel compilation titles. And then, uh, in the 90s, writer... Uh, who was the writer? It wasn't Jim Valentino. That's the artist. Oh, it was Jim Valentino. But he's listed as the artist. Maybe he did both? The credits here are a little confusing on this book. Like, the, the first issue that we read, this is the 90s series of Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, it starts in number 17. Uh, this is a story arc called Homecoming. It credits Steve Montano as the inker, Craig Anderson as the editor, Ken Lopez as the letterer, uh, Tom DeFalco as the editor-in-chief, Evelyn Stein as the colorist, and then for Jim Valentino, it just says, oh, well. So maybe he did <laughs> pencils and scripting. I'm not, I'm, it's not entirely clear to me. But regardless, uh, I did read up a little bit on the publication history. Valentino had a pitch for Guardians, and then he took it to Tom DeFalco, and DeFalco said, oh, I also happened to have a pitch for Guardians of the Galaxy, but I like yours better, so we'll go with yours. And so this is a team of the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, that live and fight for justice in the 31st century of the Marvel Universe. It's made up of a team of aliens that, mostly aliens, uh, people from different planets within the uh, Earth's solar system. So you have Major Victory, who is from Earth and carries around Captain America's shield, which still exists. And then you've got Nikki, who is from the planet Mercury. Uh, what's his name? Charlie 27 from the planet yep. Jupiter. Martinex from the planet Pluto. It was still a planet at the time. It was the 90s. And then most <laughs> curiously, there's a character that I don't think anybody here's ever heard of. His name's Yondu. You know, ring a bell. Yeah. Uh, completely different from the iteration of the character that we saw in the movies. Uh, Yondu is a kind of like the noble warrior type. And I'm actually not entirely clear. Oh, he's a Centaurian, which makes me think he's from somewhere around Alpha Centauri. That That's my guess. It makes me think that he should have horse legs. You could call him a Centaurian. There, there is a horse yeah. alien in one page in this comic that... Something beta ray, something beta ray bill adjacent. You think? Ah, yes, that would that would be appropriate. Except beta ray bill looked like that because he was mutated, not because that's what his people. Anyway, um, <laughs> oh, <I tricked> actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, 
So the Guardians have had this big dust-up in which they recently lost one member of their team, who I know nothing about. The character's name is Starhawk, and it's apparently some sort of amalgamation of two people, like a husband and wife who inhabit the same body, and the husband has gone evil and has taken over the body, and the wife is now trapped in the husband's body. I think? I don't actually know that much about it. Um, all I know is that the team is really broken up over this loss. We cut to Starhawk a couple of times during this story arc, but we don't really get much about where the character came from and where it's going at this point. But anyway, after this big confrontation where Starhawk left, uh, the Guardians come back to Earth, which is where they uh, consider their home base. They are immediately attacked by a group of uh, mysterious sort of uh, militia types called the Commandeers. Uh, it's, it's one of those classic superhero fights where they have a big scuffle and then one party realizes that they're actually all on the same side. So the fighting gets interrupted, the Commandeers and the Guardians kind of join forces. The Guardians learn that the Earth has been completely devastated as a result of this addictive holographic entertainment system that has been secretly pushed out to the whole world by an alien race called the Badoon. The Badoon are basically the Guardian's big bad, I believe. They have multiple uh, scuffles with the Guardian or with the, the Badoon over the course of this series. So the Guardians team up with the Commandeers to try to take down this uh, production line for these uh, addictive television sets. And they are immediately opposed by and attacked by this rival militia called the Punishers, who were inspired by the Punisher from the, the 20th century. The Punishers are secretly backed by the Badoon. So, like, by engaging with the Punishers and by taking out the Punishers, they're actually engaging in the main plot. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of gloss over, I think, the individual plot beats to get to kind of the main points. A new character is introduced to the Guardians team, a uh, radical mutant named Talon, who shoots claws out of his fingertips and is also a furry. Um, Major Victory gets shot in the head, and in order to recover from this, the team recruits the planet's Sorcerer Supreme, who is not Doctor Strange, but uh, some other alien-type character, who happens to heal Major Victory and also, like, heals his skin so now he can get a major costume change. So instead of, like, he has been wearing this head-to-toe bodysuit, um, now it's replaced with a very 90s sort of uh, superhero jacket affair, which, <laughs> frankly, is... I, I, I don't hate it. <laughs> it's very 90s. He's wearing a headband and, like, red, white, and blue clothes, and, you know, he's got Captain America's shield. And, uh, yeah, they take out the Badoon, they take out the TVs, they take out the Punishers, and then they decide to... Uh, invite Talon to join their crew. Martin X has meanwhile left to try to expand the reach of the Guardians across the whole galaxy and develop something that's more than just a superhero team that goes in, beats a guy up, and then leaves. And that's kind of where the story ends. This is a new beginning, wrapping up a few old plot threads, leading into a bunch of new stuff. As a kid, this was almost the perfect comic to have because it really like inspired me to be curious about what would come next and also what came before but i had no money so i didn't buy any books and de never learned what 
this whole thing was about. Regardless, still really liked the book, uh, but I'm curious to hear what you guys think so that I can tell how much of my appreciation of this was just nostalgia talking. All, all I kept thinking of uh, was how cool would it be if they remade the Warriors, but they were all themed after Marvel heroes. Punishers, <laughs> Oh no, it's the Guardians. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, I, I started reading this book, I don't know what time it was, but but time slowed to a snail's pace. I could see individual dust motes floating ever so slowly through the air. I could feel the rotation of the earth, and I thought, surely there can't be that much more to read. And I looked, and I was only on page 17 of the first issue. This wow. was a, This was a slog. I don't know if it's because I had no connection with these characters, if I was too bothered in my head going, you know, for being a thousand years in the future, it's still not that advanced from what it is today. <laughs> I, I don't know what it was, but man, I did not enjoy this. It was just like some stuff was fine. Maybe it's just the age of the comics that it was, but didn't didn't do anything for me. Can't say that it was bad. Just can can say that I did not enjoy it. So some some nostalgia will. Uh, <laughs> that is fair yeah. I I kind of agree with you I think actually reading it uh, is is a bit of a slog it's 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 a bit of a grind it's really wordy it's uh, it's really melodramatic and not always for the best but I think the story beats themselves I think were fine like I I telling somebody about it it's more interesting than actually reading it is correct. <laughs> correct. But uh, but yeah, I, I I don't know that I would want to go back and actually reread this because it did feel, boy, there's a lot of text. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think my problem was actually some of the melodrama, especially like not like you know like John mentioned, not having a connection to a lot of these characters. A lot of the melodrama just kind yeah, of felt. There's flat. a lot of characters too. Yeah, uh, who's who was like that weird robot crystal guy from the beginning? Martin, Martin X. X. Yeah, Martin X. He yeah, that character. I I I don't know. <laughs> that's that's just how I describe him. I don't know. The, I, you know, there was some stuff like I liked his internal monologue where he is, oh no, like thinking I know something about this character that everyone else has said is a traitor, and there's more going on, but we just don't know it yet. And then he's like. Well, we're here on Earth. Bye. And then he takes off. So I think, you know, there were things going on that contributed to, like, the ongoing story beyond what we read. Mm-hmm. And so that I tried to, like, okay, like, like it or don't like it, you know, I want to ignore that while I'm looking at, you know, the homecoming story. Because mm-hmm. I, I, didn't, I didn't mind that so much, but. Yeah, I, I think my problem with it is it's just uh, his inner dialogue didn't have to be so long. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it's a full nine-panel grid on a single page. I agree, that's too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and when I say I liked this book, I, I say that fully acknowledging that this has a lot of problems, and I wouldn't put this in, just like, without looking at the list, it wouldn't go in the top 50 or 60. Like, I'm still looking pretty fairly low on the list when I say I liked it. But, um... 
Yeah, it, it is fairly wordy. Um, I'm curious, when you say the melodrama, although, are there specific things that are standing out to you that you just like, that's too much? Uh, it's mostly that I just don't have the connection to the characters. So it kind of, the melodrama falls a little flat to me most of the time. And it's just because I think melodrama works when you're connected, when you're invested. And it just really wasn't. Now, there is good news. Um, you know, now we will be that much more prepared for future Guardians movies, I think, if they choose to talk about these characters. Because um, um, Sylvester Stallone's character was Stakar and um, was it Michelle Yeoh was Aletta. Ving Rames was Charlie 23. Um, Martin X was Michael Rosenbaum. Um, and... and they had Miley Cyrus as mainframe, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but I don't okay. care about that. So, <laughs> I mean, you're I right, but, yeah. Yeah, so, like, they, they've, I, they were, I don't know. I like when, you know, we want to have this scene where Yondu gets chewed out. And so we're going to, you know, use, we're going to use what we have. Like, use the whole buffalo, even if the buffalo is 90s wordy comics i don't know i think i think if i like had a connection to the characters it would have meant more but it just it did feel like it was it was there was a lot of like a lot of characters and a lot of stuff going on and it was like oh they're gonna fight and no they're gonna blow up a uh you know a nuke in in um you know manhattan and then be like okay see you later you know <laughs> like we got stuff to do let's go take our cat boy and get back into space i don't know yeah, um, I might be the only person who saw, like, the Sylvester Stallone lineup towards the end of Guardians 2 and went like, I know who those characters are, I know what they're doing. You and, like, five other people. Yeah, yeah. There, there were not that many of us. I don't even think there are dozens. I don't think I can do the, the Never Knew joke. Yeah, there, the, there were enough of you that they made posts online going, hey, hey, you know what he's doing? You know what James Gunn's doing? And it's great, here's why, here's why. It's like, all right. You don't have to, like, you know, sell me on putting, you know, Ving Rhames and Sylvester Stallone in a movie. Like, yeah. And, uh, you know, people who like Smallville love Michael Rosenbaum, so. He's, like, the only good part of that movie, or that series. Yeah. I will say, like, to the point of wordiness, I'm trying to pay attention to aspects of the uh, comics production process other than just the writing and the drawing. Um, and when it comes to the number of words on these pages, that kind of draws attention to the lettering. And unfortunately, I don't have a good thing to say about the lettering here. Uh, looking at issue 17, uh, page, oh, what page is this? This is when you get that scene where the guardians are sitting around the table and the commandeers are introducing themselves. So it's page 17 of issue 17. Bottom panel, uh, they're going around and introducing Crazy Nate, Gabrielle, Inez, Belle, Silent, or Hollywood, and Old Red. And for the life of me, I cannot figure out what, which order I'm supposed to read these balloons in. Yeah. I also, with the, with the exception of, I think it was like Belle, I, I didn't know who, and who like Hollywood was supposed to be until like later when Hollywood had like a more of a prominent role. It's supposed to be a surprise, I think. But it's a surprise that you don't really care about, in part because the character of Hollywood doesn't really do anything, and in part because he's Wonder Man, and nobody cares about Wonder Man. <laughs> yeah, he didn't Ouch. Count. 
Yeah, I think you know if it's like this, you you start at new or at uh, twelve and then work your way counterclockwise. I guess. I I I feel like there has to have been a different way to do this. Um, like lettering wise, mm-hmm. just it, it the balloons don't connect in a in a way that really allows any sort of flow. Um, yeah, it, it's a frustrating read. And I remember even as a kid not being able to figure out which balloon to read when. Um, but the, the mention of Hollywood actually takes me to something that I think I kind of like about this series, and it's how many weird connections it has to the Marvel Universe as we know it. And I think that's what, like, they're, they're relying a lot on that. Where it's like, oh, this is like this is what happens, like you know, a thousand years from now, and we get, you know, yeah, we have Captain America's shield. We have yeah. the Vision is actually involved because he's the like the AI on their computer. Uh, you've got the Punishers that are there. You've got Doctor Strange is now the Ancient One to the new Sorcerer Supreme. You've got, like, you do have all of these little connections, and I think that's part of the reason I feel so nostalgic for this because as a kid, it's like, oh, this comic came out at the same time as my trading cards, and now I know where all these connections are coming from. And you see, like, I, I, it felt less like this was someone's... Um, th- it didn't feel like they were doing a good job of making this someone's first comic. Like, there were, yes, like, everyone got introduced or whatever, but it, it was harder to jump on to. Also, I was, still was really bothered, like, a thousand, what, who was alive a thousand years ago that we still um give a crap about like is there it like like enough that it's in you know everyone knows about that like we have like what like william the conqueror Uh, uh, yeah off the top of my head you know maybe i'm just like dumb but you know it felt odd that they like it i don't know it felt like it was relying too heavily on you know our our universe like our we're we're uh doing all these callbacks to old heroes and aren't they great and all of this stuff and it was like that you're a thousand years in the future man like you know what like you're in the basement of where the avengers tower used to be like there's no way like it would be underwater or something or like bulldozed over a thousand times or blown up in an attack from a bad guy or something that you know like a hundred years i'd give you but a thousand years a thousand years is a long time and it felt like it was it it didn't make any sense to me maybe that's too nitpicky but that was i was like who who do we still talk about like they are talking about people that were around a thousand years ago and i just couldn't really come up with anybody but i'm not a superhero with someone's shield so you know robin hood okay I mean, we're still talking about Robin Hood, but for other reasons. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did think it was a little interesting how they had, how they did have that little plot, the, the little side note plot thread about somebody introducing uh, the the Punishers to the Punisher via like history tapes or something. Yeah, yeah, and them like just the, feeling real guilty about it. It's the History Channel. Their default, they're at fault for bringing all these alt right hit like little like Nazis in our day. It's because there were just too many shows. You were just filling hours on your programming, but it turns out like you can't teach people too much about Hitler and expect them not to turn out to be Hitler. And that's that's what happened with the Punisher. There you go. <laughs> it's like the opposite of the Confederate monuments argument. Sure. 
don't teach your kids history because then they might grow up to be <laughs> racist or murderers. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I don't know where the connection is exactly, but it's yeah. Don't learn anything, everyone. Just don't learn anything. That's what we're gonna learn. Yeah, just the less you know. There you go. <laughs> Only your ignorance will set you free. Yeah. Just go to, go to a dark room, breathe your air, and uh, never learn anything. Mm-hmm. So, as a kid, there was an element of this that I really, really liked. That now just strikes me as pure '90s cringe, and that's Talon. Uh huh. Oh, the furry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what is why uh, it feels like you know we need somebody who's cool and exciting and is disrespectful to authority figures and speaks in catchphrases and has vaguely adjacent wolverine characteristics and so they introduce this guy in an issue called the gentleman's name is talon and he just speaks in, like, the most cliche way. Mm-hmm. And has, like, he warps Charlie 27 or 33 or whatever his number is. And, uh, yeah, it just, it's so awkward. It's so awkward. I feel like a lot of, personally, I feel like a lot of these elements work for me. Like, uh, one thing that I really like about this story is how it keeps cutting back and forth between multiple story threads. It makes this feel like this really is part of something much, much bigger. Yeah, that was that was well done. Where it was like, okay, there's like they have a lot of you know plates spinning to keep this like series interesting. So it's not just after these Punishers. Like, what are we, what are we going to defend? Like, what's what are the Guardians going to do? But no, they had like you know um, they character that died the ogords i guess like they, they might come back what's going to happen it, you know who's a bad guy who's a good guy what's going you know what's going on there so that was interesting martin x um you know off on his own thing we know that eventually he'll probably like rejoin the team and have to deal with the fallout of that kind of stuff so that i could yeah. appreciate that you know they were you know doing their due diligence prepping for a series you know not just like this this one fight this one issue or or this arc so i just i just didn't connect with it and i wanted to it's guardians and it was like i, I want to know about these characters this was like the old team and so i need to you know learn more about them because i my whole motivation you know the last couple of years is like i want to be the guy in the theater who's like oh i know what that reference is and get a, get more excited <laughs> seeing something on the big screen you know um, which I, I'm, I've, I'm coming around to, these are good stories. Let's just read them for, you know, reading's sake. But <laughs> part of me still wants to, I need to know more than the nerd sitting next to me. You know, I need to be like, oh, oh, oh well, you think, you know, but really, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, talent sucks. I think that was the point I was trying to make. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I don't have much to say. I don't know that there is much else to say, honestly, because like, as a story, the story itself is, it's very much a transition. Like, old characters leave, new characters come in, we get a costume redesign, we get a lineup shakeup, we get uh, teases for the next story, a little bit of fallout from the previous story. Um, But yeah, as like, on its own... There's not a whole lot that's super engaging. I think the part of the book that I liked the most 
um, was when um, Martin X is talking to Nikki about the last time they were on Earth and how they experienced prejudice there. And then he calls her out for an act of prejudice. Like, she was kind of racist towards the little scroll girl that we saw for, like, two panels a couple pages previous. And she gets all, like, defensive about it. And it's like, in this little moment, this, these two pages, I actually care about something more than just, you know, the plot beats. Um, it's actually, they're, they're delving into something real. But we didn't really see that happen. That's all stuff that happened in an earlier book. It just makes me want to go and read the earlier book and find out what the deal was there so that I can see this, like, in its appropriate context. There's nothing here to really grab on other than, I think, the superficial connections to the Marvel Universe as we knew it in the 90s. Which I think the comic did its job if it's making you interested in other issues and wanting to go back, then it was successful because, you know, that every comic, if it's not if it's not treated like this is their first comic, like it should do something to hook you and it, it worked on you. So they got you. Yeah. Like, this series went for 62 issues. Mm-hmm. Comics don't do that very often anymore. Talon stuck around, though. He's on the cover of issue 61. Yeah, he's the cat boy. You know, 90s cat boy. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, I actually am very curious to, to try to read more of this, uh, find out more about it. Because I, I mentioned the trading cards. Most of these characters did not have trading cards. Talon did, don't worry, but... <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, there was no card for Yondu, there was no card for Nikki, there was a card for Major Victory with, with his new attire, because I think this came out, like, those cards came out when this issue came out. Can we talk about how much cooler his old look was than his new one, and how stupid the new one is? As well as the name Va- Major Victory, I just... I oh, yeah, that uh, that's like a really bad uh, How I Met Your Mother pun. Major victory. <laughs> yeah. The name is bad. I actually prefer the new costume because the old costume, which is just like the bodysuit, makes him like depending on the the sh- the shading, the coloring, he's not visually distinct enough for Martin X. That's true. That is true. Yeah. So I, I prefer the new costume because it gives him a more unique silhouette. Um, but I admit it is very nineties cheese tastic and yeah, Major Victory is a terrible name. <laughs> And it's a legacy name. That like he's not the first major victory. He wouldn't be the last major victory either. They would go on to have many. <laughs> am I talking about the story or am I talking about the character? We'll never know. Because we're probably never revisiting this franchise. That too. All right. Shall we move on? Hey, before we move on, yeah, because we mentioned the furries like three times, so I have to bring this up. Uh, <laughs> 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 did you know? <laughs> did you know Violet J of the Insane Clown Posse? His his daughter was interested in the furry fandom, and because he didn't want her to like go to these furry conventions by herself, uh, some he commissioned a person to make him a furry juggalo suit. So he goes to furry conventions with his daughter, uh, in his own juggaloed out, uh, fur suit. I have zero interest in the insane clown posse's music, but the more I learn about them, they're just they just seem like. I don't know. Yeah, they don't seem as bad as as, as you're kind of led to believe. I I just like that Violent J. First of all, he's a juggalo. He has no room to judge 
a furry for being a furry. <laughs> but <laughs> I do love that, like, he, he, like, not only, like, let his daughter, like, find herself in that fandom, but, like, actively supported her to the point of, like, commissioning a suit and attending with her so that, you know, she would be safe if something happened. And he would be there. That is, like, good parenting. Well done. How do we transition from Juggalos back to Guardians? Uh, we don't. We just go, we just do. <laughs> we just go. Just pivot. We just yeah. We just go. <laughs> Crank that wheel and get us back on track. <laughs> uh, so we're reading we're reading a storyline from the 2015 uh, Bendis run of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, it is Bendis, right? Yeah, it is Bendis. Yeah, it's Bendis. Uh, yeah, I think this is like the second volume he worked on. Uh, he, he worked on the one prior to this where they kind of rebooted them to align a little bit closer to to the movie versions, which I'm never I'm never really a fan of. Nope. And kind of reading this, you could you could tell he definitely felt very MCU'd. Oh yep. yeah. Yep. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So, so yeah, so not not a fan of that. But anyways, this is uh this is where we read Guardians of the Galaxy uh volume 4 released in 2015 issues 1 through 5 uh written by Brian Michael Bendis, pencils and inks by Valerio uh Skitty. I'm going to go with Skitty cuz I don't want to insult the name. <laughs> and colors by Richard Eisenhoff and lettering by Corey Petit or Pettit. I think it's Pettit. Probably Pettit because there is no silent E at the end. So, okay, so this picks up uh, on the heels of the previous series in which uh, something happened. Can we do. <laughs> Can we have that be our official uh, podcast way of jumping on board to a storyline that's been affected by previous? Like that'd be that'd be that'd save us so much time with X Men. Be like, so something happened, and then <laughs> yeah, yeah, time travel, yeah, 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 yeah alternate da, 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 clones, and da, 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 something happened. Something X Men related happened. Yeah. <laughs> So, so the, the stuff that happened, I guess, resulted with uh, Peter Quill becoming the new king of Spartax after his father died? Question mark? And they blew up a planet? Oh, well, oh no, they didn't blow up a planet. They couldn't stop the planet from blowing up. There you go. And for some reason, Kitty Pride and The Thing are now members of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And Venom. And Venom, but Venom was added in the previous run. Right. This much I do know is because the Guardians were like on Earth and the Avengers wanted to keep good like good relations with the Guardians. So they sent Agent Venom with them. And there was this whole like micro plot line about them going to the symbiote homeworld where like so, okay, so Venom had, like, a different suit. Okay, this is a quick tangent. <laughs> so, Agent Venom had, like, this very, like, military-looking suit. And then they did, like, a soft reboot of Agent Venom where he had, like, a bigger, kind of hulkier-looking suit. And then when they went to the home world of the symbiotes, they find out they're a hive mind. The way they gain knowledge is by going to other planets, symbioting, doing their thing. 
coming back and you know distributing that knowledge they're supposed to be a peaceful thing a peaceful uh, society hive mind thing whatever so as they were traveling he went there the suit got cleansed or that that symbiote got cleansed so he's no longer crazy and wants to kill uh peter parker anymore i guess Oh, interesting. Yeah, so because of that cleansing, he has like a much more like smoother suit. And it's a better partnership. I thought it was a different symbiote from the one Eddie Brock had or has as Venom. Yeah, I think I think they've only on Earth, they've only had that one symbiote running around. That's like a I guess a natural born symbiote. Everything else has been like broken off from Venom. Okay. Or like Carnage was evolution from or Came from Venom and yeah, well, we don't have to talk about Carnage. Cool, yeah, Flash Thompson. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but anyways, that's actually really inconsequential to anything that happens in these five books. I just <laughs> wanted to there, talk about that's that. That's all. <laughs> I'm in charge. I drove. <laughs> so <laughs> I was interested. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, yeah, thank you, thank you for coming along for the ride. Anyways, <laughs> so back to the boring ride to Vegas through the desert. Um. <laughs> It was, uh, we were 10 miles from Barstow when the drugs kicked in. We can't stop here. This is symbiote country. Oh, God. <laughs> Boring ride. Wow. I haven't even That's gotten like to that. the beginning of this book. This has all been set up. <laughs> I'm sorry. So it is like we're talking about an X-Men story, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. Okay, Kitty Pride is there. That's why. See, she brought her drama with her. <laughs> so- so this book starts out with uh, Peter Quill le- leaving or having left the Guardians of the Galaxy to rule Spartax. He hates it. He's bored by all the diplomatics, politics, uh, meetings. He kind of hates that. But the Guardians are off doing their own thing. Uh, Rocket uh, sounds like maybe Drax a little bit. Are a little bitter about Peter having left the team. But Rocket is now in charge, even though kind of lit Kitty tends to be the one that, that leads the group for the most part. So, <laughs> uh, so, so they steal a thing for the Chitari, and they don't know what it is. So that's why I'm just referring to it as they steal a thing. Not to be confused with the thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the thing steals a thing from the Chitari. So they're trying to figure out what the thing is. The object, not the person. So they decide that with the lack of resources or people, they have to kind of take it to Spartax to see if, like, Peter's people have some sort of science council or whatever. They can look into it before they open it up and maybe cause an explosion. Apparently something happened. There was an infinity suit that nobody knows where it is, and the thing brings that up. But that doesn't really seem I think relevant. that was just a joke. I, are we sure, though? Are Steven? Are you sure? Uh, no, and that's actually getting into my first complaint about this book, but let's keep going. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, okay, what was this? Where was that? Okay, so they take they take it to Spartax. You're on page two. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they take it to Spartax. They have a meetup with him. They get attacked by a lady called Hala. The which is the name of the Cree homeworld. She named herself after the Cree homeworld, which it, 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 it exploded good. Yeah. Remember when hey, stuff happened. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> so and I hope you're not making fun of that because we're not going to make fun of Eartha Kit. <laughs> Eartha. 
Anyways. Earth. Uh, we live on Earth. Yeah. Eartha. Eartha. Eartha kid, yeah. I got Eartha you, John. Hala. Okay, thanks. And I'm just trying to get out of the first issue, so I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Not really reacting. Myself. I'll just mute myself and grumble in the background. No problem. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so so that so they get attacked uh, by Hala, the accuser, the last of the Kree, the last of the accusers, I guess. And she decides uh, they're all guilty for blowing up Hala. So she starts fighting them. Uh, prior to this, like literally like five minutes before this, uh, Gamora crash landed on Spartax. So that was like their five minute heads up. Uh, she comes in, attacks, uh, kicks everybody's butt. They decide they need to have a, they need to go save Peter because she was going to force Peter to watch both of his home planets get blown up, Earth and Spartax. And they uh, they go rescue Peter. They get him out of this little pod and then they go back and they fight Hala. Uh, by throwing the thing at her, not the object, but the person, the thing. <laughs> so they distract right. her. Kitty like faces her into the ground, and then they drop the thing on her. So yep. you know, good plan, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not bad. There's worse plans, I guess, other than using <laughs> the the big rock man to hurt a person. So, so they defeat her. Uh, Peter kind of gets starts fighting a little bit with. With like the the officers, I guess, of Spartax, he's he wants them to arrest her and to start helping the people, but they're pretty dead set on executing her, like on the spot. So then they get attacked by Yoda, Yota, Yata, <laughs> Toya. I don't remember the name. Oh gosh, I forgot. There's another antagonist in this. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. So he's a guy, or well, he's he's a an alien species person. Who is who is trying? Well said, alien species. He's person. not a guy. I think a guy refers to a human man, right? I don't know. Does it? I'm a dude. He's a dude. She's a dude. We're all dudes. That's that was covered. Yeah, but but we're no, all that's human. Pepper. I'm a pepper. You're a pepper. He's a pepper. She's a pepper. Wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? So Yoda's a pepper, and not in fact. <laughs> so Yoda's not in fact hunting... a little guy from Dagobah. <laughs> So Yota with two T's, Yata, kind of like the Japanese expression. Yata! Thank you. That's the only Japanese I know. <laughs> yubi yubi. <laughs> Anyways, so he's hunting Drax, the destroyer. Uh, he's Yota, the destroyer of destroyers. Uh, they kill his weapons guy, who's just, you know, fairly innocent uh, weapons runner for other people, aliens. Uh, he gets beheaded. They steal all his gu- all his uh, weapons. That's not really important. I just wanted to point that out. Uh, he finds them after they fought Hala, and then they kind of quickly defeat him after he kind of rains a little bit more terror on Spartax. This whole thing kind of ends up with with the council or like kind of the senate or whatever it is on Spartax, and they decide that they're gonna make Peter kind of be held responsible for all this stuff, which isn't the first time that happens in this book because prior, as I glossed over it, uh, they try to explain to Hala that it wasn't them that did any of the stuff with that ended up blowing up the planet. That was his father and they just weren't able to stop it in time. And she's like, well, that doesn't change anything. You mean your father, the king of this planet, the one of whose son you are, that doesn't change anything. So the council kind of decides the same thing. 
that he was the king. He's the guy who was supposed to kind of prevent this type of stuff, and he kind of let all this happen. So they're going to arrest him, and then Kitty phases him out of the building, and they meet up with the Avengers, and new adventures await. Oh yeah, and there's also all of this stuff with Annihilus and the Brood Queen. Kind of bookending it, yeah, they're they're up to something because the new Guardians when like the, like just before the movie came out, um it like starts with you know, Peter Quill kind of going against his father because his father's a dirtbag. And his father goes to this meeting of, like, leaders of, of everyone. There's, like, the Brood Queen. There's Annihilus. I don't even know if Annihilus was there, actually. But there is someone from the Kree, someone from the Skrulls. Um, Brood's already said, and, and um, King Starquill's, Star, Peter Quill's dad, King Jason? Jason. Jason. Of yeah, Jason. Jason. So Jason, <laughs> he, he was there, too. <laughs> You know, in league with all these bad guys, kind of just, you know, we're running the show. Um, and then, yeah, the, the what's left of the meeting is Annihilus and the Brood Queen. So, um, that's kind of where that came from, is coming from. But, um, I liked it. I don't know. I Yes, yes. Acknowledging that, you know, they're referring to the MCU and kind of just using those characterizations and, you know... Could have been better if, like, they'd done their own thing, but we do get the the thing. We get, you know, Kitty and we get um, Agent Venom, you know. I liked it. It was fine. It was, you know, they had a really tough bad guy and they, um, you know, defeated him. And uh, the uh, squint and lip bite from Hala right before she gets, like, punched so hard she almost dies from the thing was pretty cool. Um, I liked the coloring and art really well. Um, the asides from Bendis, historically, she is an unreliable narrator talking about Kitty Pride talk, narrating the flashbacks. Uh, we're full circle. It's just rock solid storytelling. Um, I liked all of the, uh, alien curses. I made a list of them. There's Glacken, Glarknard, Glord, Glorns, Glarkin, which is apparently street vendor Glarkin you have to avoid. Grunton, you can have it furry or shaved. Uh, Gleedu, Google, uh, Glarns, which is used twice, Glornords, uh, Gamora, Groot, wait, no, no, gone too far. Um, You're going to have to uh, bleep those out, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, it's just going to be like 30 seconds of, of John censored. <laughs> I think that's why R2-D2 speaks in beeps and boops is because he just curses like a sailor. And I know I've said that before, but I don't care. It's funny to me. Well, I'm happy you're happy. <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> I th- between the two of you guys you guys can really like find that one thing to just deflate the balloon real quick so, good job <laughs> uh yeah so i mean i don't know i think this is pretty st- i we haven't said this in a while i feel like but it does feel like this is pretty standard house style. Uh, it's a good, solid art. The characters are recognizable. The colors are pretty vibrant. Uh, not, I don't think the art really like sets out to amaze anybody. It doesn't really set out to do anything like amazing or extraordinary. But uh, but you know that's not a bad thing. It's it's really good. I th- I think really good art. 
I really dug that. Yep. I just like that everybody's recognizable. I do have a bit of a gripe that they like modernize a lot of the characters to kind of look like their MCU counterparts. So like prior yeah. to him, so prior to him being king, uh, Star Lord is wearing like his MCU jacket and pants, right? And in this book, uh, because Kitty has kind of taken over kind of his role, she's wearing the jacket and stuff. She is going by Star Lord too. Oh, is she? Okay, my bad. I, I guess I didn't pay attention. Like, I well, it's not that I didn't pay attention. It's just that she's just Kitty pride to me. So like I, right? I overwrote that piece of information. So so yeah, so she's Star Lord. So she's you know wearing the costume. So why is it that everybody gets an update, but Gamora shows up and she's still wearing like a one piece with a cape? Hmm. You bring up an interesting point. Yeah. Because we know what the fans want, I guess. Ah, the fans are wrong. <laughs> I mean, they are. <laughs> like out of oh, all, yeah. out of all the characters, I would have preferred to see in an updated costume. She is the one. <laughs> right, Gamora. Classic Gamora costume is is pretty bad it's it's cheesecake for yeah. the sake of cheesecake yeah it, yeah it really is um but anyway talking about the the characters it's interesting because they're not all strictly the movie versions of the characters right drax is not movie drax no there's a bit of that but it's not it's not consistently you know taking things literally i think it's more or less the dialogue rather than the character i think the dialogue of mm-hmm. drax is still is is changed to be a little bit more like the movie version but the character itself is still like his motivations and kind of actions and stuff are still pretty much comic book drax yeah which is a completely different character from movie drax yeah uh rocket and groot seem pretty spot on um, my biggest grievance, I think, with this whole story is I do not think Ben Grimm feels like the thing. Well, I don't know. He said it's clobbering time. I mean, what like more do you need from times. the Grimm's? <laughs> yeah, that's, there we go. That's the one thing that people know about the thing is he says it's clobbering time. That's the only thing about the thing that is worth remembering. That's the thing's thing. Also, I think it's really funny that the book opens up with the thing saying, oh man, it's great to be in space, a place that I never got to go while I was with the Fantastic Four. <laughs> no, isn't his backstory that he's a pilot? <laughs> yes, it's his backstory that he's a pilot and he always wanted to be in space. And then he joined the Fantastic Four and went there all the ding-dong time. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. You know, that's what happens when you experience a few too many clobbering times. You start to... You, tar- you start to forget the non clobberings Yeah. The brain is not stone. It's just rattling around <laughs> inside there. Yeah, if football taught us anything, is that that's probably even worse. Yeah. yeah. American football. You ever been concussed by Galactus? <laughs> Can't just walk that off. <laughs> okay, I'm reading... I'm, I'm in issue one, because that's, like, the issue that stood out to me is being like, this is not a good thing issue. Uh... <laughs> And I just got to the point where the thing talks about the infinity suit of armor. And I was pretty sure that that's a joke. He talks about the infinity jockstrap later. Yeah, that one's definitely a joke. Yeah. There is an infinity suit, apparently, but it's from Dark Rain. I don't... That can't be what they're actually talking about. No, 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 no. That's... That's too insider baseball, I think. I don't know. No, okay, there's apparently an infinity armor. No, this has got to be a joke. I'm getting off the Marvel wiki. It, this mentions the <laughs> Infinity Mitten. 
made up of the the six culinary stones: the basil stone, the curry stone, the garlic stone, the pepper stone, the salt stone, <laughs> and then the thyme stone. But it's not spelled that way. Actually, that sounds kind of awesome. Oh, because it's the thyme st- stone, right? <laughs> Basil. Anyways, according to the Marvel Wiki about the issue that we're talking about, it uh, it only lists the Infinity Gauntlet. So, okay, fine. Probably the suit. Probably. I mean, the suit's probably not a real thing. Basil is the herb, and Basil's the chap what sold it to you. I will call it what I want to call it. I favor Basil. Is Basil exposition? <laughs> British intelligence. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, anyways, uh, talking to me. Uh, what what did we kind of think about? I guess the story that was being told, and I guess what it was also setting up for later. After reading the '90s Guardians, it felt good to turn my brain off and just watch a cool fight. Because um, I I like you know Gamora got punched through some buildings, and it was well drawn, and the paneling was was well done. I thought, and so it was like, yep, this is this is cool. Um, I don't know. It's, it's always cool to see like, you know, your, your heroes come up against something tough and, and, you know, use their, use their teamwork to, to get through and to, to make the teamwork. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forget what show taught that to my four year old, but she says that a lot now. Oh, it's Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, they say teamwork makes the dream work. Teamwork can make the dream work. Okay, that's in the musical, but not in the film. We don't watch the musical. The film is the musical. Yeah, but that's which song is that in? Oh my gosh, it's not in the music. It's in the stage. You're right. Uh huh. Wait, hold on, Aldo. You heard it right. Steven said I was right. Yeah, yeah, it's on record. Wait, wait. If I was right about a musical, and I beat Steven, does that mean that I get his power? Is this like Highlander? Congratulations, I... Lynn Manuel is your boyfriend now. <gasps> oh my stars! We're gonna go see. Sh- <laughs> I'll find to get tickets to Broadway. This is Lynn Sanity, I tell you, Lynn Sanity. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna ask him all about being Gizmo Duck and ask him about In the Heights and when the movie's coming out. Yes, in your face, Chuck Sprightly. There can only be one singular sensation. Da, 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 da. See what I did there? That's, yeah, that's not to take Islander. away from John's moment here, but what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I combined Broadway and and uh, Highlander there, and I don't think, you know, I just, whatever, whatever. It's going to be real hard to come back from that. Pearls before swine, that's all I'm saying. The, okay, John, I acknowledge, I acknowledge your skill. In no, it's fine. Let's critique. No, no, you this did stuff. a very That's why good. We're here. You did a very good job. I have so few skills to offer, and we appreciate both of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> every podcast needs a, another comic book nerd who loves movies. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Oh, now I actually kind of feel bad. John, you're wonderful. Um, you are a wonderful don't, person. I'm don't, sure don't, that. don't, no, no, no. I am very comfortable with what I am. It's fine. <laughs> Let's just move on. <laughs> um, dealing with the story that we've actually been presented with, I feel like it's paced weird. Like, you have the big confrontation with Hala that ends, and then, like... That's when you start to have the declining action, 
But that's when Yotat shows up. Yeah, that is weird. It's like this extra little fight at the end. And we know that it doesn't last beyond that, you know. Because um, the next issue like deals with other stuff altogether. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Um, otherwise, like, the way, what this book read like to me was like the end of a Marvel movie. But like one of the later Marvel movies where the, the final battle takes an hour, right? And just kind of like flipping through the book, you get a sense that that's maybe even what they were going for. Because how many of these action sequences take up, you know, a double page spread? They are yeah. enormous. And good shout out to uh, the artists there, because that's a lot of work that they put into these really gorgeous spreads. The characters kind of did nothing for me, but that's because this is the climax, basically, of a story that didn't have any setup. We know all of these characters from other iterations, so we're expected to kind of like pull that through. And that's not necessarily the worst way to do things. But what we wind up with is a story where the central attraction is the dust-up. It's the fighting. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but that's not what I go to Guardians for. I go to Guardians for the banter and for the interaction. And uh, and maybe it's because I, I feel like the thing is written like bad or wrong it, it does it didn't feel like the right character i wasn't inclined to like the the comedic stuff the the thing the thing is written like like it's uh being written as somebody who only knows about the thing but not as somebody who actually has read the thing yeah and maybe it's because we we just got off that really good uh fantastic four story from last time mm. that this thing felt so wrong because he, he's just kind of treated like a yokel. Like, he, he doesn't really know what's going on. But, you know, he was in the Fantastic Four. They've been, they've been around space. <laughs> they did space. They did space once or twice. Yeah. I, that's uh, where they got their powers. Yeah. Yeah. I like the part where they dropped the uh, thing on a lady. I did like that. <laughs> Whatever. I will not be shamed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, again, like, the action is really fun. Like and I, I think it I'm coming works. in harder on this book than I mean to. Yeah, there could be there there could be more more banter, um, more nuance, more subtlety. But yeah, they dropped the thing on the thing on a lady, and I don't know that that was pretty cool. So I just turned to the last page of issue three, where Hala flies up to the like satellite where she trapped Peter Quill, but Quill got rescued, and she just rips the thing in half and is screaming, but it's all in space, so it's all silent. That page is real good. Yeah. That page is real good. If you could hear her, she'd say, Glarns! <laughs> oh, and I hate fake alien swear words. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I hate a fake alien swear words. It's a pet peeve of mine. Oh, I think that they are stupid, but for some reason in this, I found it charming. But, like, that's one of the reasons why I didn't keep going with Battlestar Galactica. So... Frack. They say frack a lot, and it's stupid. My least favorite part of Star Wars Rebels is uh, carabast, I think, is the swear word that they make. They made up a, a swear word, and it's carabast. Oh, yeah, I like the part where, where, where Gamora jumps out of the ship, and it's like that one, it's like that full page, almost a full page spread, and it's Hala on her way up with her spear, and Gamora on her way down, and you just see, like, the silhouettes, and they're really small to show just, like, the distance. Like, that's... That was cool. Which one was that? Because there's, again, there's a lot of stuff, like a lot of big, which, which issues are I don't remember, Steven. Two? <laughs> I want to look at it. Probably. While we're talking about the art, I want to look at the art. 
Oh my gosh, you 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 demand so much of me. Like keeping track of the things I've read. <laughs> what is up with this episode? Uh issue issue three uh page twenty. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Oh that's good art. Yeah. And you can see they like good. Yeah, you can kind of see maybe some of the impact already and like some of the the like the buildings are already caving in and stuff from like the, the circular or spherical damage bubble, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see Rocket Raccoon being super worried. Yep. I will say that's one of the things I like about Rocket, and I don't know if that's an MCU thing or that's always been Rocket, but uh I like him being snarky and sarcastic, but like you get those moments where like you see how much he cares for the people that he that he surrounds himself with. Like Yeah, agree. Like I like I love the part where he kinda of wants to run away a little bit until they have a plan. And, you know, they kind of throw in his face that, like, hey, Gamora's down there. And he's like, I know, and I didn't want her to be. And she didn't have to be, but she did it anyways. But now we can't afford to lose two people or more. And I, it's, it's kind of like a very sweet moment where, like, he's kind of, he thinks about this stuff very logically. But, like, he's really scared. He's really worried. And he's trying to minimize loss because they're his friends. So those are those are kind of cute character moments, and I and I don't know if they're like I said I don't know if that's an MCU thing or if that's just inherent to him already. I yeah I don't know either because I don't know anything about the character prior to his MCU appearances. Like I know he existed. That's the extent of it. Yeah, I just before that most I knew about him was like he was a little crass. He was a little like I'm gonna shoot stuff and ask later type character. Other than that, yeah, he swore a lot. And he hates that Russian astronaut dog cosmo cosmo who had a cameo in this yeah back so back when i used to work at disney uh avalanche uh on the disney infinity games for the for the guardians of the galaxy uh playset, uh your kind of quest giver your guide to the game was cosmo and and i loved it because a lot of people were just like oh that's cute and i was like no that's the dog that they that they launched in the like 80s or something that the Russians like launched in the seventies or eighties, and in the comics he got like blasted with cosmic radiation and he became a telepath and now he's in charge of nowhere. Which is better than what actually happened to that dog because I think the dog just died. Yep. And there's that's no a sad story. when you send the dog into space by himself. There's nobody to refill his food bowl. Well, now that the episode is sad, should we rank these comics? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> hmm. Okay, what what story on our list is the biggest bummer? That's the one I want to highlight. <laughs> the, the biggest bummer? Uh, I don't know. We haven't read too many bummers, I don't think. Something vaguely Guardians adjacent. Adjacent? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, just the first one that I came across. Uh, Galacta, Daughter of Galactus at number 117. Uh, and then we've got the uh, Galaxy's Best Detective, which was a Drax story, at number 55. Um, and that's probably good. At, I don't know. I don't know if... Well, let's, let's start with these, then. But let's talk about Homecoming. Classic 90s Guardians. Uh, where would you guys want to put this? Uh, it, it, I was thinking about this because it's not bad. It's just hard to get into. It's but, a product of you know, its time. Yeah. It's homework reading. Yeah. A yeah. little bit, yeah. 
And so it's it's in that odd area of the middle where it's like not bad, but I don't care to reread it. So that's I don't know somewhere in the in the nineties. That's honestly that's not too far off from where I am. My thought is Exiles a World Apart works better as a as a story. Yes. But I would rather read Homecoming than the Star Wars Valentine story that we just read. So I would shoot for 104. Oh, you guys are being a little nicer. Or a little... No, no. <laughs> you guys are being a little less nice. I, I Legitimately, I was looking around Jubilee's Revenge and the Aranya book. Yeah, Aranya wasn't very successful. I wanted to, like, get into that character and it didn't really do much. I do kind of like this more than Five Ronin. Which yeah, is, which is right. It's here too. much less pl- problematic. As I, long as I, this goes above long shot, I'm fine. I was just gonna say <laughs> that's the thing. I actually like long shot better than this. No, I would put it. That's that's. I think 99 is as high as I'd want to go with it. Um, because I like that New Hope comic. I don't. I don't care. That that's the Else Worlds, the alternate universe, the What If Star Wars. That's not the manga one. That's not no, the that's manga up one. Higher. The manga one's up higher than that. Oh. Screw that new hope infinities whatever crap garbage. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, it wasn't that I, bad. I'm fine putting I can't it around, it. like maybe below what I knew. Oh, but you know what? It's probably it's probably above Love and War with Hercules. Is that the one where it's like thirsty Hercules? Yeah, Thirsty. Yep. Up it goes. Up it goes. Okay, above that. <laughs> uh, how, how about just ninety three? Let's do it. Cool. Sure. I am fine with that. And then as far as uh, Emperor Quill, like, it, it obviously is going to go higher, right? I, I didn't have anything nice to say about it, but that's because you guys said all the nice stuff. But it's it's not bad. It works more together as a story. Um, where do we put that one? See, I, I have trouble putting it above House of M, even though House of M was only kind of meh, because House of M has a lot of uh, far-reaching consequences. But it also, like, reading it was like, yeah, that is up at 79. Now, I did like this better than Y Stands for Freedom, um, which I want to like. Uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick and Terry Dodson Captain Marvel book, but it just it didn't really... Eh. Yeah, that's weird, putting it above... I just... Howard Duck, I think, is... Howard the Duck is uh, much higher than it should be on this. Between <laughs> Avengers versus X-Men and Messiah War and the Demon Bear and Earth X. Just, eh. I don't know. Uh, see, see and I, I know, I'm sitting in that same range. Where I feel like this maybe lands somewhere around, like Riri Williams, Nova. Yeah. Why stands for Yeah. Yeah. It came. It came out. You know, around the same time. The art style is, you know, that house style is similar in that time. You know, I like that Nova art um, with Ed McGinnis. Um, somewhere around there, I would say between seventy four and seventy nine seems all right. I would yeah. put it above what the duck, Howard the duck, but I know that that's not. It's not going to happen with this triumvirate we have. I mean, I like What the Duck better. I, I like What the Duck better. Like I said. It nails the comedy a little bit better. Yeah, I'm okay with putting this uh, uh, kind of anywhere in there, actually. Um, I think I like it a little bit better than Avengers vs. X-Men. Okay. 75 it is? Yeah. In between What the Duck and Avengers vs. X-Men. What the actual um... duck. <laughs> oh, Siri messing up my texts again. <laughs> well next time we only have one story to rank um but it's a big one it's potentially the big one no that that doesn't work let, let me try that again 
<laughs> Steven, you you edit the show. You have all the power. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't like that hasn't gone to your head, and it's not just you capture. Uh, great job, Steven. We that is a good point. And, like, it's just pieced together us agreeing with you and, and conceding to your points when we don't get along. Hey, hey, you know how, you know what it would take to do that? Effort. <laughs> fair, fair. We're going to read Planet Hulk next time. Yeah. <laughs> you just gave up all the <laughs> Just gave up. Just, we're just going for it. And now, to be clear, because apparently there's a Planet Hulk series, it's not the Planet Hulk series, it's the Planet Hulk event. Yeah. Which ran in Incredible Hulk in, like, 2007-ish? Six. That's uh, it's just before Civil War, because Hulk is missing from the original Civil War, and part of the things that the Illuminati did is they sent him into space to Planet Hulk. Yeah, and that did not go well. Well, come on. Yeah. That's only if you see time linearly. I just chose to believe that once he got there, it uh, became... Yeah, okay. All right, Doctor Whom. Slow down. (laughs) He travels through time. (laughs) Just to correct grammar. Planet Hulk runs in the 1999 Hulk series from issues 92 to 105. That's 13 whole issues. (laughs) <laughs> 13 whole issues I've, I've either read it before or seen the uh, cartoon adaptation I think I've done both on this one I think it's it's not just or and, and the you know there are elements of it in uh, Thor Ragnarok but I'm looking forward to this I'm you know I think it's pretty good I'm predicting a good one I don't think I've actually read Planet Hulk I have read World War Hulk so yeah I'm a little excited he's mad as the Hulk is wont to do it's the one where he beats up a bunch of nerds yeah. <laughs> Wait, are you calling Captain America a nerd? <laughs> well, I met the Illuminati who are all a bunch of nerds. Oh, oh, yeah, they are totally nerds. Yeah, he doesn't beat up Captain America because Captain America is either in jail or dead. <laughs> right. You never know with a cap. Yeah, I think uh, Bucky is Captain America at that point. And, uh, oh, so is that after they bust him. the cap in the cap? Yeah, that's after Cap got capped. Um, no cap? Gosh. Yeah, World War Hulk is all about the Hulk beating up nerds because he beats up Reed Richards, he beats up Tony Stark, he beats up the Sentry, but in the Sentry's human form, which is a nerd. So yeah, the only nerd he can't beat up is uh, is Charles Xavier because he's dead. It's like fall yeah. of the nerds. And Cap Cap is up in Cap. If he's not dead, then he's in jail, which is Cap's lock. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs>